The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. chapter 15, find verse 11. This is probably one of the most famous passages of Scripture in all the New Testament. I think you might recall it as we begin to read. Then he said, a certain man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, The younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and wasted his possessions with prodigal living, worldly living. He went clubbing, he went using drugs, he he just went and blew all his money. But when he had spent it all, come on, someone said he spent it all. There arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. That means he wanted some stuff, he needed some things like food. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he said to him, he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomachs with the pods that the swines ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, everybody say that. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat, to even despair? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, oh, come on, someone say when he was a great way off. He was a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let's eat and be merry for this My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older brother was in the field. And as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother's come. And because he's received him safe and sound, your father has killed a fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out. Here comes the father again. Father comes out to him, pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots and prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me 
and all that I have is yours. It is right that we should make Mary and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and now is found. Father, I pray, come and speak to us through the living word of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Next to the Good Samaritan, this is probably one of the most famous passages and parables of Jesus. Frequently called the prodigal son. I've heard it preached many, 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 many times. I've heard this message countless times. But I couldn't get away from, as I sought the Lord, bringing this message to you from a different perspective than the prodigal son. From a perspective that I've heard preached many, many times before. It's from the perspective of the prodigal father, the waiting father, the father that waits for the prodigals to come home. Understanding this text, as as many of you do, from a Middle Eastern perspective. When the son says, "Give give me my share, he's basically saying to his father, I really don't care whether you live or die. Just give me my inheritance now and you can do what you want. I want the inheritance that was going to come to me when you're dead. I want it now. And the father gives it to him. It's, a, it's a, a really a tremendous sign of disrespect and dishonor that, that this son of his brings by asking for his share of the estate. It's a tremendously dishonoring. If you dishonor your mom and dad... You'll curse yourself. Now, you might not have had the most honor, most wonderful mother and father, whatever your perspective is of that. You still are required to honor them. You say, well, how do you honor someone that did horrible things to me or, or sold me into slavery? I mean, how do you honor a parent who's not honorable? You honor them because you are honorable and you honor them because God's word says, honor your father and mother and have a long life. The converse of that is also true. Dishonor mom and dad, shorten your lifespan. So if you'd like a shortened, cursed lifespan, then dishonor your mom. Are all the kids listening to me? All the children say, honor mom and dad. Ready, set, go. Very good. Learn to do that. You do that by talking respectfully to them. You do that by honoring them. Uh, and, and, and you give them gifts and money and cash and stuff. And one of the most amazing ways you can honor your father and mother is to forgive them. And hold no charge against them for whatever happened. Really, I've found most mom and dads are not evil. Well, they might do things that are wrong But most people aren't evil. They're just hurting, wounded, passing on that which is passed to them. And really, most of our parents did the best that they could. And I hope that you, like I am endeavoring to do, is to do the best that I can. And the the word says, I believe in Ephesians, children obey your parents in the Lord. But this son is like, "I I don't care if I hurt you. He was just selfish and he wanted his inheritance. And so he takes the money and he goes off to a faraway country and he blows it. He blows all the inheritance. He squanders everything. He just, he blows it on all kinds of stuff. And he ends up, as the text said, to be in want. That means he has nothing. He squandered it all. He's got nowhere to go. He has no roof over his head. He has no food. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that. That is quite a place to be in, to be in want. And he gets a job 
and he's feeding these pigs. Has anybody ever fed, fed pigs before? My first encounter with pigs and swine, I think I was about 12 or 13 years old, and I worked for a farmer down the, down the road from us, Foster Farms. It's a potato farmer in Sagaponic, uh, Long Island, and they're, 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 they're still there. They still have a huge farm there, Long Island Potatoes. And they had a bunch of swine and pigs there. And I would run with the farmer's son and I. We were kind of buddies. And I'll never forget when we were sitting on a fence, looking over at the swine as they were being fed, and the farmer's boy fell into the slop. I have never seen anybody move that fast in all my life. That farmer, who's about six foot four, 300 pounds, reached across. He had fingers the size of sausages. And I'm not talking little sausage links. I'm talking real sausages, those kind of big, big man. He reached across and grabbed his son by the nap of the neck and yanked him out of the swine before he could have a missing finger apart. Swine are ugly, nasty, and I love bacon, but they are an ugly animal. They're very unclean. And this is a Jewish boy, understand. So for, for, the, for the parable to say that not only did he take all of the inheritance, he went to a faraway land, for a Jew to be handling any swine is the ultimate picture of defilement. It's, this, it's the ultimate dark thing he could do. It's to not only squander everything and to be in want, but to actually be tending and keeping swine pigs. And he, he says to himself, he comes to himself and he decides. He, he says, I, I, my father's servants have bread enough to share. I'm going to go home. That's a good idea. Go home, boy. I'll tell you, there's people that are listening tonight. Those that might listen in a bit at another time. The Lord says to you, go home. Or maybe he says, come home. There's a place of satisfaction and fulfillment that you will never find with the swine. There's a place of fulfillment and joy that cannot be found in, in worldly living. There's nothing that will satisfy you except Jesus, a right relationship with him, serving him, loving him, honoring him. That's what will truly satisfy you. Sin never satisfies. Oh, it has pleasure for a season, but in the end, it reaps its dividend. It reaps its wages of death, and you never want to get involved with the swine. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, and it'll take you deeper than you ever wanted to be. It'll rob you, steal from you, kill from you, make you bitter. You say, well, I'll come and serve God some other time. You never know about when your heart's going to fully turn over. You don't know the power of darkness where you try to play with things that, that, that in your little disobedience you think it's little, but actually it's big. And the devil knows everything you do and God sees it too. And he reaches to you through my voice tonight to say, come home, put away the pot, stop playing with the pigs, come home, come home. And he's the waiting father. He's, he's waiting there for his son to come home. It's this great revelation that I, I'm in sin. I've messed up. A lot of people come to that place, but they stay in the swine, with the swine. He came to the place and he took action. He set up his life. He took action so he could correct things. God's been convicting some of you today. Maybe even touching your heart right now. It's not enough to be. Listen, worldly sorrow brings death. 
You're sorrow. They're sorry about dealing with the pigs. You're sorry about getting involved in the sin. You're sorry about turning your back on the Lord. That's wonderful. I'm glad you are. Now turn that into real sorrow, godly sorrow, which is repentance. Repent, rethink. It's to turn around and begin to think differently. It's not just feeling sorry and, and, and weeping and crying and going back out with the pigs. It's being sorry, coming together with a plan, taking action to come home to the God who loved you, made you, has a plan for you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you've been involved in prostitution. It doesn't matter where you've been or where you've come from. God loves you and he wants to wrap his arms around you and help you and kill the fatted calf. Can you say amen? He realized how great he had it in his father's house. I remember hearing a story actually takes place. These two girls from Long Island. I'm going to shoot real high on the details to go over the heads of our innocent ones and those who, who we need to shield. Both of the girls' homes were best friends. This is a true story. Happened in the 70s. They, they were best friends and both of their fathers were alcoholics. And it wasn't good in their home. It wasn't good. It was difficult. It was painful. Nobody was protecting them, guarding over them, if you understand. And so they made a plan to run away from home. They thought it'd be a great idea. Let's run away from all of this mess. And so they got on the Long Island Expressway and they put their thumb out to hitchhike. And a truck driver pulled them over, uh, pulled over for them, I should say. They got in the truck and he took them down the Long Island Expressway through Manhattan and was headed into the middle of our country and required of them a certain payment for the ride, which they were horrified by, but they went ahead and, and, and went ahead and did that. By the time they got to Texas, they were shooting for California, but they just got to Texas. And by the time they got to Texas, that kind of thing had happened multiple times. And they were in Texas distraught, scared, afraid, and they got jobs working at a restaurant. But they were, they were then invited to take a job at another kind of a restaurant that paid more. So they took that and began to be involved in, in, in feeding the pigs. Shortly thereafter, they were hired to do something else by somebody who overlooked that kind of a thing. And their lives went so deep into despair and so deep into sin that they never dreamed of when they were sitting on their beds as young ladies, as young girls, as horrible as it was in their home, they never imagined a million years that they would end up now in a situation that they were in. And the truth is, their lives were shortened and they were found in not such a good manner. See, nobody dreams in their life. Listen to me. Nobody dreams in their life as a little boy or a little girl on the edge of their bed. Oh, one day I just want to destroy my life. Oh, yes. Wouldn't it be great if I... Nobody dreams that. Women, they, they dream of their champion that would come. They dream of, of being 
won over and protected. I know, my wife tells me I'm her champion, praise God. Every single little girl. I think that, I don't think that's an over-exaggeration. Deep within a desire of every girl and then a woman is, is to be one, to be fought for, to be protected, to be, to be a queen and to nurture. And, and that is just the way the DNA that God has given women. Men? We have a fight we want to win. We want to champion our families. We, we want to fight and be victorious. We were, we're men of valor. God put it in us like that. And every little boy and every little girl, when they dream, they don't dream of feeding the pigs. Now imagine that statement, I've got kids here. Blow it all the way out to the worst scenario you could imagine. Nobody grows up thinking, oh, I wish one day. Nobody wants to become a drug addict. And I'm going to tell you, there's so many people that look down their nose at drug addicts. How could you do that? I'm guilty myself. When in fact, people are addicted and afflicted and feeding the swine because of a broken spirit and a broken heart. And God says to you, come home. You might think what you're doing is no big deal. Well, I'm going to tell you, sin's a big deal. However big it is or small it is, it's all the same. He comes to his senses. He, he comes home. And the father, the father is, is, sees his son afar off. Now, that, that, what that picture is, is that the, the father, which represents God, is constantly looking on the horizon. Constantly looking, constantly looking. It's a picture of what your heavenly father does for you. He's made a way by sending his son for you to be redeemed. He's made a way for you to be forgiven. And he waits for you to come to your senses, to turn from from the slop and to come to him. That's what he waits for. And he's looking afar off for you, for your family. He's looking for the lost. He's looking for the broken. He's looking for the lame, the halt, the withered. He's looking and he's longing to wrap his arms around them. They just need to turn towards him. And, and you know what happens when as soon as he sees them, the father runs. Now for a Middle Eastern man to run, they wore garments. Can I have one of those drop cloths? For a Middle Eastern man to run. For a Middle Eastern man to run, I mean, it was quite a thing. I'm trying. Okay, so... Uh, I need a bigger garment, I'm afraid. But anyway, they had garments that covered, that covered. Is, is this a visual? Does this work? Can you see? All right. So they had garments that would cover their legs, you see. And so for a middle, how many of you ladies know what it's like to run in a dress? So what would you do? Hold on a second. (laughs) Minister Gill, tie two of these things together, make me a dress. Is that long enough? Oh, no, 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 no. He's got it, he's got it, he's got it. 
That might work, though. That might work. Can I tell you a mean old non now? I'm just kidding. Oh, no, this works. Perfect. Okay, so ladies, how many of you, ladies, ladies, how many of you have worn a long dress before? How many of you ever had to run in a dress with heels? How many of you fellas have seen a lady in a long dress with a, in a pencil skirt, let's say that. A pencil skirt, is that right? <laughs> right? That's the picture. Can I tell you one of the most crazy things, this apropos of nothing, but I, I saw some military guys return from Afghanistan. It was one of the most moving experiences of my life. I've never seen that before. All their bags were covered with the dirt and the dust of Afghanistan. As I walked their bags, I saw Italian names, Polish names, Irish names. I saw every kind of name from every single nation of, all the, of the earth on all of these U.S. bags. I thought, oh, we live in the greatest country there ever has been. Awesome, God. And as they're standing there, these beaten down, broken men that can't wait. They've been gone for a year. It was the 425th. They'd come home. And we watched a lady when, I mean, you, they got to stand there. All the families got to wait in the, in, the, in the bleachers. And it's just like, they're finally done. And I forget, it's not like a whistle or something happens when it's finally over. I will never forget this, this girl in a pencil skirt in a full-on sprint with four-inch heels. She was the first one out of the gate. She just jumped on her man, you know, it's just crazy. So where are we? The father run, the father sees, the father sees, I've got all the kids' attention now. The father sees the, the prodigal coming back. He sees him afar off and he runs. Everybody say he ran. First of all, he was looking for him day in, day out. It's a picture of waiting, constantly looking on the horizon for the return of his boy. That's the way God is. And when he ran, for a Middle Eastern man to run, he would have to hike up his, it's not a skirt. I don't even know what it's called. It's a Middle Eastern man garment. He would have to hike up just like a, ladies, you got to hike up your skirt a little bit. If you really run, you're going to have to hike that thing up, Right? So that he could really run, and he ran. And that's a sign of like, I mean, it's ultimate humility for a Middle Eastern man to show his thigh. Not, not to, by today's standards with most women, they don't have no problem showing their thigh. But back then, you missed a great place to say amen. But back then, it was a shameful thing to do. I think it's shameful even now. He runs. It's a picture of disgrace. It's a picture of what Jesus did for you. He exposed himself to open shame so that he could pay for your sin and mine. His beard plucked out, the crown of thorns pressed into his head for your mental anguish and for mine. He was pierced for our transgressions, Isaiah chapter 53. He was wounded for our iniquity. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. That's the picture when, when the prodigal father, when the waiting father runs. It's a picture of that when he hikes up his Middle Eastern man skirt 
And the other thing that you have to know is that the neighbors probably knew what this boy did. And really what he did is worthy of being stoned. So the father running towards the son who's come to his senses and comes home is the father protecting him from the ridicule of the neighbors and from those who would want to bounce rocks off of his head because of his sin and his disobedience. I don't know if if you're thankful for what Jesus has done for you. I'm so thankful I didn't get what I deserve. You You don't want judgment. You want mercy, 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 mercy. You want mercy, mercy. God has given us mercy. His judgment was released upon his son. And so the father welcomes him with a compassion. He falls on his neck and he kisses him, the text says. I mean, it's this incredible picture of affection. Some of you don't really think of the Lord like that. It's this incredible picture of love. You know, love has an expression. How do we know what love is that one man lays down his life for another? That's a definition of love. Love isn't like, oh, you feel all goosebumpy and stuff. That ain't love. You know what love is? Love waits. Love honors. Love respects. Love, love takes a shot, takes a bullet. That's what love is. It has nothing to do with feelings. It has everything to do with a commitment. And feelings come and go. God loves you. Come on, someone say, God loves me. As compassion, he weeps on him. Love also has an expression of affection. Listen, be affectionate with your kids. You say, well, my father wasn't like that. Okay, he might not have been changed. I've told you this before. All of you fathers that have daughters, let me just tell you something that I learned. You need to love on them and hug them as much as you hug your little boy, even when they become women. And even if it's a little, it's on, it's, come on, that's quite a thing. Just, just ignore that and love on them because if you don't love on them and hug them, somebody else will. Hello? Somebody else. I'm not talking about your wife. I'm talking about some other man. Hello? So you give them loving affection and you model what it is to be a man of God and you do that so well that every other dirt bag will fall to the side because they'd never want to be with anybody that ain't as good as at least you. Hello? God is calling to you tonight. Pastor Alex, would you come? He's calling to you tonight. No matter where you are in your walk with the Lord to go deeper. I'd be amiss if I didn't talk about the older brother, you know. The son comes and the father says, kill the fatted calf. It's this amazing celebration of coming back into the kingdom. He gives him a ring. It's a picture of authority. He puts a robe on him. It's a picture of royalty. He, 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 he gives him new shoes. I mean, he just completely outfits them. All of those things represent aspects of the kingdom. And the, the older brother hears the music. So there's this incredible celebration because who was lost is now found. And the older brother hears, you know who he represents? He represents those who've, who've been in the house, who've been in Christians all their lives, or maybe love the Lord, but, but have lost the celebration, lost the, the, the passion, lost the desire, and have gotten all pharisaical in their hearts, get all bitter and angry because somebody's happy about the Lord. God is going to bring us 
the most incredible harvest we have ever seen. It's just just on the outskirts of the city now, spiritually speaking. They're on the way. And I am preparing you to love them. The rich, the young, the old, the poor, and everything in between. God is going to give us a harvest of souls. He's going to give us a harvest of the addicted, the afflicted. He's going to give us a harvest of people who think everything's okay, but they realize it isn't. He's going to give us a very wide swath. And I am preaching this message, not only to those who are with the swine right now, but I'm preaching it to those of you who are like the older brother. And when they come in, that you wouldn't harden your heart. As you see that, listen, if somebody's so filled with joy because they love the Lord and it bothers you, something's wrong with you. You need healing. You need to repent, you Pharisee thing, you. You Sadducee, you, you couldn't see, you wouldn't see. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. I've found that there's places in God he wants me to go that there's fatted calves yet to be killed. There's things he wants to do for me as, as his son, for you, as, as his daughter. There's things he wants to do for you. Many times we settle. We settle, but God wants to do this amazing thing, but we settle. We don't feel worthy. I've known people that just have derailed their lives over and over because inside they, they hate themselves and feel like I'm just not worthy of, of the blessings. You're made worthy by the death of Jesus Christ. That's what makes you worthy. There's not one other thing that makes you worthy. His death and his resurrection solves all those problems. Settle it and quit being filled with so much pride that you, it's false humility. It's false humility. Listen, if you have a place of unworthiness, listen to me, all listening, you have a place of unworthiness that constantly jabbers at you about how you're not worthy or, or, or you can't do it or you just never feel worthy to talk to the Lord or to pray or to receive his blessings. Really, really what it is is you're filled with pride. What are you saying? I'm saying that you don't receive. He's not sending his son to die again. He's only done that once. That's it. Next time he comes... It's the second coming as a victorious king. He sent his son and when you believe on him and you receive him having repented of your sin, your sin is thrown as far as the east is from the west. And the unworthiness that you're feeling is really like saying to the Lord, what you've done is not enough for me. I need something more to actually make me feel worthy. I rebuke you. How's that for a turnaround on feeling unworthy? Never quite heard it like that. I rebuke you. Quit your pride of thinking that you're unworthy. You're made worthy by the blood. There's nothing else. And you just need to receive it. And you need to silence the, the, the talk and the jabber of the enemy. The, the feelings that make you feel you're not worthy. You're made worthy. Say, I'm worthy. I'm worthy by the blood of Jesus. Say it again. I'm made worthy by the blood of Jesus. Say it one more time. I'm worthy by the that's what makes you worthy. You don't earn it. It's a gift. 
all across this place. Stand up on your feet as we begin to just bring this to a close and application. I charge you to stir up the gift of the evangelist on the inside of you. I charge you, church, listen, you know what charge is? It's a command. It's a very strong word. I charge you to go and share the good news with with people, the good news of Jesus. Do it by every means. Use social media. Use, use flyers, hand it and share your testimony. Let the burden of the Lord come upon you as the congregation of KC. Let them, let it pierce your heart through. That when you walk past the hurting and the broken, you have the answer. Won't you share it or will you keep it within you? You say, what if they don't like me? They don't write it on. What if they don't receive me? Who cares? You're not doing it for them. Well, I mean, you are, but I mean, you're doing it for the Lord. You're just sharing your mailman. Look, a mailman doesn't have an opinion one way or another. I don't think we should be disconnected by, by our hearts. I think we should have an opinion. I think we should care. I think we should be moved by a, by a burden and we should be moved by compassion. Compassion feels what people feel. Sympathy feels sorry for somebody. I'm going to tell you our community does not need sympathy. They need compassion. They need the love of the Father. And guess who he's called to bring it to them? You. You and me. He's called us to do that. Will you say yes? I challenge you to share your faith this way. I don't usually do. Well, do something different for goodness sake. For the sake of heaven. Share your faith with people this week. Invite them to Wednesday night. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had to pull all the chairs out, pack it all the way up, and the place was so hungry and so thirsty that service never ended. And, and we just had another worship team come behind Pastor Alex's team, and, and it just flowed. And all of a sudden, there's an outbreak, and people start hearing about an outpouring that's taking place. Wouldn't it be amazing if people would come from near and far and drive from Canada up to Alaska to hear something's happening in that place called Wasilla? Can anything good come from Wasilla? Can it, can it, can anything good? Yes. Can a city be saved in a day? Can a nation be saved in a day? Can our nation have a turnaround? Can there be revival? There can, but it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with us. I challenge you to go deep in God. Press in. Learn the word and pray. Get a burden from the Lord and reach out to the hurting, the broken, the lost, those who are feeding the swine. And we will see an awesome harvest come in. Now you're here and you need to get right with God. You're coming to your senses right now and you want to come home. Today's the day. Tonight's the night. If that's you, you want to come to Jesus for the first time or you want to make a recommitment. Leaders, are you ready? Hint, hint. You want to come to Jesus for the first time. You want to make a recommitment to him. Or you just want to be assured of your salvation. If that's you, you're serious. You ain't messing around. You don't want to play church. You really, really, really want to get right with God. If that's you, come to the front right now. Come right now. Come on. Come on. Come. Come on. Come. As close to my hand as you can. As close to my hand as you can. Come on. Come right here. Come. Come on. Somebody ought to put their hands together for Jesus right here. Come on. Come on, come on, come a little closer. Come all the way up to the stairs. Come on, come on. All right, I want you to activate the evangelist on the inside of you right now. Turn to the person to the right and the left of you and ask him, hey, if you die, don't, don't do it yet. If you ask him, ask him, if, hey, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Now, if they're like, you know, that's right, because I love Jesus. They, they don't respond to you like that. They're like, oh, well, I, uh, then just say, come on, I'll go up with you. 
You ready? Set? Do it. Go ahead. Go. All right, and then bring them up. Come on. Come on, come up. Come on, come on up. All across this place, bow your head. Come on, bow your head and pray with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Amen. Lift your hands all across this place. Just lift your hands to heaven. Come on, it's like stick them up. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. That's it. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray now. Every chain, every bondage be broken. I command darkness and every curse to be broken. In the name of Jesus, close your eyes, son. Fire. Freedom. Freedom to you. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. Holy Spirit, touch. The Lord says, I have a mighty plan for you. There were many arrows fired at you even when you were young. Things went wrong. It was like you were left and even abandoned. And all of your life you've struggled. Even with abandonment, there's those that have left you, friends that have turned on you girlfriends that, that, that rejected you, things that took place in your life. I want you to know this by the word of the Lord, that I have accepted you, says God, and I love you. And I'm going to make a way for you. And I'm going to, I've chosen you and appointed you. And as you serve me, I will turn your whole family to my kingdom. I will turn your whole family. I will do it. Holy Spirit, come. I bind demon power. I command darkness. Loose your hold now. In Jesus' name. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, one more time. Just lift your hands to Jesus. Here's what I want to do. All of you folks that are up front, I want you to head right down the center aisle as Pastor Alex leads us in worship. We got a gift for you. Pastor Vince, take him right down the center aisle. Ready, set, go. Pastor Vince, out way. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Put your hands together one more time for all of these. Come on, you can do it a little better than that. give you praise father we pray now for for us and lord we would not be like the older brother i pray that you would stir up the gift of the evangelist within us that we would be compelled by the love of god to go into the highways to go into the byways to share the good news of jesus to those who were lost those who were hurting and those who were broken In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together for Jesus one more time.
Something up and happy. Yes, I do. Come on, we're going to worship one more time. We'll turn you loose and bless you. Did you get something from God tonight? Come on, did you get something from the Lord? Come on, let's just worship one more time together and then we'll close. interesting you know what's interesting when the older brother heard the sound heard the music then he said hey what's going on there's a celebration that takes place even when one heart turns to the lord angels look in on the things of salvation i think we ought to go just a little bit crazy tonight for just a couple minutes you ready come on pastor alex sing it come on one Shackles, no more chains, no more bondage. I am free. Lift your hands to the Father and sing. No more shackles, no more chains, no more bondage. I am free. Come on, no more shackles, no more shackles, no more chains. No more bondage. I am free. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, sing hallelujah. 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 that's free tonight lift your hands and sing sing again now no more shackles no more chains no more bondage I am free I am free I am free and now I sing hallelujah 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 come on move your feet a little bit hallelujah, hallelujah. Ah! yeah 
is a celebration tonight. Invite as many people as you can. Let's reach this city. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. And give us peace in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.